Elizabeth Eiler, in her book Singing Woman, Voices of the Sacred Feminine, writes, As women, we can embody all aspects of the Triple Goddess simultaneously, mother, maiden, crone, at every stage of our lives. The elements of feminine mystique, giftedness, and strength are as available to us through the spirit as much as the body. Greetings, and welcome to Here's a Thought, the blogcast for people who overthink. I'm your host, Jan M. Flynn, a writer for whom overthinking is pretty much a lifestyle. And usually on this show, I discuss a topic I've been overthinking in the past week. But for this month, October, the month of transition, the month of hauntings, and nights growing longer, with more time for firelight and magic... Here's a Thought is devoted to story time. That is, stories that I've written in some of my darker and twistier moods. For this last week of October, I offer you a story I wrote while thinking, okay, overthinking, about those aspects that women embody, specifically the crone and the maiden. Which one has more power? In our ageist society, Women are under ridiculous, life-denying pressure to maintain their maiden status, way past its natural boundaries. But what if we could? Would it be worth it? What would be the price? Because magic always has a price. And wouldn't we still be the same person beneath the facade? Here for your consideration is my story, Turn. The gaggle of children in the market square giggled and gestured behind the old woman's back, daring one another to say the word witch aloud. The old woman glowered, but kept up her halting pace, leaning on her stick as she picked her way carefully over the cobblestones. Her serving girl followed, tall and lithe, carrying the market basket that grew steadily heavier as the two made their rounds among shops and stalls. The girl stood silently, while the old woman haggled with the merchants, her one good ear cocked at them, her roomy eyes searching their faces. By now, the basket held a hard cheese, a sack of dry beans, beef bones tied in a cloth, a small flagon of oil. On market days, the baker displayed his best loaves in a lavish display that tumbled over a table outside his shop, the heady aroma steaming into the chill morning air. The old woman hobbled past the table without a glance, nudging housewives and the baker's boys out of her way with her stick, and heaved herself up the stone step to the shop door. The girl waited below. "'What are you standing there for? Make yourself useful,' said the old woman as she entered the yeasty warmth of the bakery. The girl remained where she was, her blue eyes narrowing slightly, until she noticed the oldest of the baker's boys regarding her. Instantly she straightened her spine and lowered her gaze, her full lips tilted in a demure smile. The boy's eyes locked on her as she followed her mistress into the shop. The old woman faced the baker down over a sturdy brown loaf. I'll not pay full price for day old, she declared, squinting at him. That's a fair price, and it came out of the oven this morning. Ah, good day to you, miss, cooed the baker, brightening as he saw the serving girl approach. Here, I've a sample for you. Come and taste it. You can tell your mistress how soft and fresh a loaf she's buying. 
he held out a generous slice as an offering, his eyes traveling from the girl's heavy-lidded blue eyes to the creamy flesh rising above her bodice. The girl looked at the proffered bread as though studying an ancient scroll, then shot a glance at her mistress and ducked her head. The old woman gave a small huff of laughter. <laughs> Look at that. She won't even put a lump of such sawdust in her mouth, she said, depositing a coin of insulting denomination on the counter. I'll take the loaf to feed my pig. Go on, girl, put it in the basket. The protest forming in the baker's throat died away, becoming a sigh as the girl stretched her arms toward him to receive the bread, one of her hands grazing his hairy forearm in the process. Her eyes found his for the briefest instant. The corners of her lips tugged upwards. She placed the loaf in the basket with as much care as if she were settling an infant in its cradle. The baker stood transfixed. The old woman chuckled and headed out the door. The girl followed, leaving the baker blinking in her wake. There were more stops for candles and string, potatoes and parsnips, each addition to the basket costing far below the usual price. One stall displayed an array of herbs, dried bundles hanging from its makeshift awning, freshly picked bunches in woven trays. The old woman and the girl paused to smell them. "'You won't find sweeter rosemary,' boomed the stout woman who sold the herbs, "'nor fresher nettles. And I've a quantity of fiddleheads this week. You fry those up in butter, you'll have a rare feast,' she continued, winking at the girl." Here, if you're making soup, you'll want parsley and onions. We've herbs enough in our own garden, good wife, said the old woman. She turned to go. Good day to you all the same, my dame, replied the stout woman, shouting for the benefit of the ancient ears. But here's for you, sweet, she said to the girl in a softer tone, as she tucked a sprig of flowering rosemary between the girl's delicate ear and the muslin cap she wore. Something to brighten your spirits, "'stuck away in the house with that old prune?' "'She cocked her head in the old woman's direction "'and winked at the girl, "'who pursed her lips around a silent laugh "'and bobbed a curtsy before turning to leave. "'The old woman said, "'I heard that.' "'The girl smirked. "'As the pair drew near the smithy, "'the girl's face resumed its placid composure. "'The smith's apprentice, "'a burly youth with a tousled mop of brown hair "'and shoulders the size of hams,' busied himself with something in the dooryard. He caught sight of the girl and her mistress and straightened, abandoning any pretense of working. "'Greetings to you, good dame,' he intoned, pulling his forelock respectfully. The old woman snorted. The apprentice took no notice, having once again fastened his gaze upon the girl. "'And I see you're keeping well, miss,' he said to the girl in a livelier tone, as he hurriedly wiped his hands on his leather apron and held a semi-clean one out to her in greeting. The girl smiled up at him, her black lashes dipping slowly, once, over her blue eyes, as she accepted the proffered handshake. Her small hand disappeared into his muscled paw, and at the touch his eyes seemed to lose focus. He held her hand, "'gazing at her with a reverent expression on his broad face. "'Will you let my girl go, or do you mean to gawk and grab at her the rest of the day?' "'asked the old woman, leaning on her stick. "'The youth snapped to attention, blushing. "'He gave the girl's hand a quick squeeze and released it. "'Her lashes fluttered again in surprise, "'as she opened her hand to reveal the item the apprentice had pressed into it. "'Resting on her palm was a small copper button shaped like a flower.' 
The girl smiled at it, and then at the apprentice. She dipped into a graceful curtsy, tilting her torso a few degrees toward him. He appeared slightly stunned. The girl straightened and released him from her gaze, turning to go. "'That's just the one. I'm making a full set of them all for you. And I'm working on my journeyman piece as well. The master says I'm making fair progress,' he blurted. The girl turned her face to him again expectantly, but said nothing. He took a deep breath and addressed the old woman. "'Good dame, I ask your permission to come calling of a Sunday. I'm to have my papers soon, and I have good prospects, and your maidservant is of an age.' The old woman regarded him solemnly for a long moment, and then gave a low snigger. <laughs> so you want to pay court to my girl here, is that it? Think she'd make a fine smith's wife, do you? The apprentice reddened, but replied, That I do, good dame, with all due respect. I'm sure there's younger girls in these parts whose families would be happy for you to take them into your service, and— The old woman interrupted— and how did you arrive at your conclusion, this choice you've made of a wife? Is it the long talks you've had with her? Her sparkling wit? Her wise observations? The apprentice blinked at her. Or perhaps it's the music of her voice as she says your name, asked the old woman. Ah, uh, well, rumbled the youth, bowing his head. It's true she doesn't speak much, but... She doesn't speak at all, you lulloping ox. You've never had a word from her, have you? The old woman gave another snort of derision. For all you know, she could have no more wit than she has words. The girl turned her back to the apprentice and faced the old woman, her features curdled into a look of pure malice. The old woman observed, her face stretching into a grin. The apprentice stepped closer to the girl, stopping just short of putting a protective hand on her shoulder. Her misfortune is nothing to laugh at, he blurted. The girl turned and lifted her eyes to him again. As though powered by her glance, he continued, "'And I don't need words from the maid to understand her, nor to know she's a good girl with a pure heart, one who deserves someone who will take care of her and see her for who she truly is.' At this the old woman hooted. "'Who she truly is!' she cackled. She laughed until she coughed, and at length subsided into silence, leaning on her stick. The girl watched her. "'So, then, you'll allow me to call on her?' asked the smith's apprentice. "'Who am I to stand in the way of true love?' sneered the old woman. "'Come if you must, but see to it that she doesn't forget to cook me my supper.' "'Thank you, good dame, you're a grand lady, and you won't regret it,' said the youth, making his best attempt at a bow. "'Bah! Come along, girl, I'm through with standing here in the road waiting for you.' In the evening. The old woman sat huddled in shawls, watching the girl stir the mixture in the pot that hung over the kitchen fire. The bones and beans, potatoes and parsnips had gone in, along with handfuls of herbs picked that afternoon. The two of them would eat from that pot every night this week, adding vegetables and whatever bits they could glean to it as the day stretched on. "'Smells decent,' said the old woman as the girl threw in another pinch of salt. "'Let's eat.' The girl placed a bowl of the fragrant broth in front of the old woman, along with the brown loaf and the hard cheese. The old woman attacked her food as though it might flee, ripping off chunks of bread and sopping them in her bowl, cutting generous slices of cheese for herself, chewing and slurping with gusto. The girl sat across from her, regarding her own bowl as though it were a puzzle to be solved. 
Before she brought a spoonful to her lips, she performed an odd motion with her mouth, her tongue probing at something against the inside of her cheek. Only then did she attempt a cautious sip, a drop of broth, her lips barely opening. She swallowed deliberately, took a deep breath, and resumed her painstaking meal. "'Getting harder, isn't it?' observed the old woman, pausing in her own feasting to watch the girl. "'And you're hungry as a horse by now. It's been weeks since you've had a crumb of something solid. You can't hold out much longer, you know.' The girl shot her a mutinous look. "'The moon's waning. Don't be greedier than you can help,' continued the old woman. She watched the girl struggle to sip another droplet. "'You're going to slip up, whether you will or no.' Better to do it with some grace. After all this time, you ought to know that. My, this is toothsome bread, she added as she pulled off another hunk of the loaf, soaked it in her soup, and took a great dripping bite. Sure you won't have some? The girl narrowed her eyes and took herself and her bowl off to the inglenook. The old woman grinned again and gulped the rest of her meal in silence. The old woman lay awake in her blankets, listening to the girl's rhythmic breathing from the pallet in the alcove. When the breathing slowed and deepened enough, the old woman took a long and careful time to rise from her bed. She shuffled with slow patience towards the girl's pallet, squinting to see in the dim light of the banked fire. At last, she knelt stiffly by the girl's sleeping form and peered down into her face. The girl lay half on her side, one arm thrown over the edge of the pallet, her dark tresses splayed over the stuffed sacking she used as a pillow. Her long lashes fluttered gently. As the old woman watched, the full lips parted slightly, as though they had decided quite on their own to form a word. The old woman drew closer. Caught in a dream, the girl drew a shuddering breath and rolled her head, her lips parting further. An ember in the fireplace popped and flared. Its light caught something shiny protruding from the girl's mouth. The old woman inhaled deeply and slowly raised her hand to hover over the sleeping face, watching for her chance. Another shuddering breath. The shiny object emerged a bit further, withdrew on the girl's inhale, proceeded with the next exhale another fraction into the light. A silver amulet emerged, trident-shaped, smaller than the bowl of a fine teaspoon. The girl's tongue worked around it fretfully, as though afraid of losing it, or as though it wanted to spit out the offending object. The old woman's upraised hand inched a degree closer and made a sudden dive for the amulet. A cry burst from the old woman's throat. Her hand was caught in the girl's strong grip. The long-lashed eyes were wide open, staring at the old woman. The amulet disappeared behind the full lips, set now in a snarl. The girl sat up, her fingers digging into the old woman's arm like claws. With her other hand, she gripped the old woman's neck, squeezing the sagging flesh to reach the windpipe. The old woman grappled with her free hand, batting at the girl's strong forearms. "'You... you can't!' gasped the old woman. "'You'll die!' The girl held on for another breath, until she released the old woman with a shove that sent the crones splaying on the floor. The girl sat and watched as the old woman struggled to rise, her bony chest heaving. At length, 
The old woman collected herself into an ungainly crouch. Regaining her breath, she began to laugh slowly, harshly. You think you're going to find a way out of the bargain, do you? She hissed at the silent girl. End it? Be rid of me? Marry the young smith, perhaps? Have a child? Eat and drink and laugh and speak like any woman? The girl pulled her coverlet to her neck and faced the wall. The old woman continued. You've had it too long. You're forgetting. It's my turn. You know I'll give it back. Her voice had become wheedling. That's how we've always done for so long. The girl pounded her fists against the wall and delivered a wide-eyed stare of rage. The old woman sighed. I've known you to be many things, but never stupid, she said. Until now. You can't keep it much longer. You'll weaken. And what if there is someone nearby when that happens? Are you ready to gamble both our lives? The girl's glossy head drooped, her shoulders convulsing softly. The old woman watched silent tears flow down the girl's smooth cheeks. Stop now, murmured the old woman, her tone almost gentle. You'll make yourself choke, and then where would we be? Grabbing for her stick, the old woman rose stiffly to her feet and returned to bed. Sunday afternoon came, and with it the smith's apprentice, full of the import of his formal call. He brought the rest of the copper buttons for the girl, who allowed her hand to linger in his as she accepted them, rendering the youth slack-jawed. At length he recalled himself and presented the old woman with a small honey-cake. She sniffed at it, emitted a huff of grudging approval, and was about to devour it by herself when she paused. "'Dear me, where are my manners?' she said. "'Girl, put on a kettle and bring a knife and plate. "'We'll share this lovely cake for our tea, shan't we?' The girl's eyes widened, and her smile disappeared, but she obeyed. The old woman engaged the apprentice in small chit-chat about the progress of his journeyman piece, until the girl placed two steaming cups, a jug of milk, and the plated cake on the table. "'Now, girl, don't be shy.' "'You must share, else your young man will think you rude,' said the old woman. Behind the youth's back, the girl glared at the old woman, but fetched a cup for herself and took a place at the table. The apprentice seemed to have lost the will to do anything other than gaze at the girl. The old woman looked at the girl as well, allowing the silence to reach a point of discomfort before speaking again. "'Come now, my dear, we're waiting on you.' He wants to see you take the first bite, doesn't he? Here she gave the apprentice a playful wink, which he missed entirely. A strange look clouded the girl's face as she regarded the small portion of cake in front of her. She took a deep breath through her nose and settled herself. Reaching a delicate hand across the table, she brushed her fingertips against the youth's hand as he held his cup. His eyes fastened on the spectacle of her touch, just long enough for her to work her mouth oddly, as though tucking something against the inside of her cheek. As the apprentice's eyes met hers again, she arranged the corners of her lips into a fetching smile and took a minuscule sip of tea, then raised a morsel of cake to her mouth. The old woman watched intently. The girl parted her lips slightly, her tongue reaching through the tiny aperture to receive the cake. Clamping her mouth shut again, she worked her jaw, achieved a swallow, and beamed triumphantly. 
Well done, my girl, sneered the old woman, and then addressed the apprentice. I'll give you credit, you're a smart lad, a silent wife who barely eats. You'll be the envy of the town. A hint of confusion had crept into the rapt expression on the youth's face. Is she all right, do you think? he asked. The old woman's glance shifted to the girl, whose eyes had grown wide and fearful, as her throat flexed in a spasm and her lips clamped shut, droplets of sweat bloomed on her forehead. The old woman sprang to her feet with surprising agility and guided the girl from her chair toward the pallet in the alcove. The girl, shuddering, allowed herself to be chivied without resistance. The old woman cast a hasty glance at the apprentice. One of her spells, lad, it won't last long. Off with you now. The youth hesitated. Go on, boy. Nothing you can do here. Wait outside if you must, she snapped. He ducked his head in acknowledgement and lumbered out of the cottage. The girl on the pallet was struggling mightily now, her face clenching through waves of effort and pain, her hands at her throat. The old woman crouched alongside her, stroking the heaving shoulders. Come now, this won't do, let it go, she murmured, as the girl's head wrenched from side to side in furious denial. The girl fought to catch her breath. The old woman raised the heel of her hand and delivered a swift, sharp blow between the tensing shoulder blades. The girl's mouth shot open. A small silver blur arced to the floor and skittered along the floorboards. The old woman dove for it, the girl clutching at her desperately. The two of them struggled together on the floor, the only sound their fierce breathing as they clasped and strove for the tiny, shining object. The old woman's hand reached the amulet first. She gave a whoop of victory and pain as the miniature trident dug into her tightly closed fist. The girl grappled madly, yanking fistfuls of gray hair, digging bloody fingernails into the papery skin of the old woman's face, but to no avail. Twisting free of the girl's grasp for an instant, the old woman clapped the prize to her waiting mouth. A cry rose from the girl, a long and juddering wail. She half rose, then slumped against the wall, holding her hands to her face in a gesture of despair. The old woman kneeled, her hands outstretched. She threw her head back, her long throat now showing smooth and ivory white in the slanting afternoon sun. Her hair, dark and lustrous, swept toward the floor as she ran her long fingers over her flawless face and neck, her ample chest, her waist. She rose gracefully on supple legs and smiled down at the girl while easing out of her shapeless garment. Naked and glorious, she waited silently. The girl groaned. She blinked, trying to clear her vision of the matter that crusted her dull eyes. Her sparse hair fell lank and gray over her lined, hollow features. Knobbed and spotted fingers pulled with resignation at the laces of the bodice that gaped absurdly over her withered torso. Wait, can't you? she croaked as she struggled out of her clothes. The smith's apprentice turned with relief as the two women emerged from the cottage. He rushed to the lithe figure and took her dainty hands in his. She gazed up at him through her long black lashes, her rosy lips curved in a sweet smile. I heard a cry. I thought to fetch the doctor, but didn't want to leave you alone, he said. I was near out of my mind with worry. The old woman rested her beautiful head gently against his shoulder. His chest swelled visibly. 
Don't be soft, boy. It was only one of her spells, remarked the girl dryly as she leaned on her gnarled stick, watching. I told you, they don't last long. Thanks for listening to this episode of Here's a Thought with Jan M. Flynn. I would love to know what you think of this October story series, so please reach out to me. You'll find easy, no-risk ways to do that in the episode description on your podcast app. New episodes release every Wednesday, so if you haven't yet, I hope you'll follow the show. Until next time, may you embrace all the gifts of every stage of your life. May you always be able to look beneath the surface. And may all your thoughts be good ones.